0: we get this episode started with jm live nfl week one talk i just want to preface this there's going to be a couple awkward cuts at the 3 45 minute mark and the 1930 minute mark where the zoom call and then just both of our connections weren't ideal and so late at night after a football game you can't really go to another spot to record and rescheduling it's just been difficult just because we're both so busy he's getting his youtube stuff done i've got stuff with csn and all that stuff so i'm trying to edit the best i can i just want to preface this video I wanted to keep the original content because the conversation is so great. But guys, without further ado, JEM Live talking NFL Week 1. Thank you guys. Subscribe for more and take care. Whoever is listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is your NFL Week 1 podcast with NFL YouTuber JEM Live, who you guys have seen around the block a couple times on this channel. He is a consistent consistent guest. He's definitely the top billing one. If you see JM Live in the uh, YouTube description for these podcasts, you know it's about to be a good one. And we're going to talk some NFL Week 1. Jackson with his unfortunate setup of the Miami Dolphins. But Jackson, talk to us about Week 1. What did it mean to have football back, man? Like, it was great. It was also very insane.
1: I mean, we had a little bit of everything. And sorry, like, literally right before we went live, my mic and camera stopped working. So sorry for the setup a little bit. But it it had a little bit of everything. We've been talking seven long months, and I feel like I know nothing about what to expect from week one. And that's kind of what week one brings. The only thing that kind of like calmed my nerves a little bit was that Ravens-Jets game where the Ravens just did their thing. But besides that, there was parity all over the NFL, insane games, some injuries we did not expect. And I know we have a lot to talk about. and The Monday night game just wrapped up, and so I'm sure we'll be talking about that. But I cannot wait that we have real NFL games to talk about.
0: Oh, yeah. So we're just going to get right into it. Let's just start with the the head-scratcher of the finish that was Monday night football. So those who are paying attention to the scores and stuff, Seattle took down the Denver Broncos 17-16. to 16, And for some reason, it looked like the script was set up exactly the way Russell Wilson wanted it to go was driving his team down the field it's fourth and four I think about 45 40 some like it was enough to make a decision but I felt like you pay your quarterback 245 million dollars all guaranteed and you sit him on the bench to try to at least get closer I don't understand the decision Jackson if you were Nathaniel Hackett what do you what are you doing there what's your mindset in that situation
1: I mean, I knew the whole game was going to be a little bit weird, just like Russ going back to Seattle week one. Like, I know the NFL, like, wants the ratings and everything, same. I mean, won't get into it. The whole Deshaun Watson, the game, he's coming back. I mean, a little bit weird, a little bit fishy. But, uh, no, um, I knew emotions were going to be high. I knew the Seattle team was kind of getting bullied by the media a lot during the offseason. I knew they were going to put up a good game. Um But, I mean, everything they had going all game long was in the flats. It feels like they wanted to get five yards whenever they could. And I feel like this was like – this game was a lot about Russell Wilson. So, to put him in that situation, to pull him off the field, and kicker Brandon McManus, I looked up, he's in his career two of eight from 60-plus yard field goals. So, it's not like a guarantee or anything. Obviously, one of the best kickers we have in the league today – but it's just something that, like, if you're Nathaniel Hackett, you're a rookie coach, you have your new quarterback, he's playing his old team. It's something I feel like you have to go for.
0: Yeah, because in that situation, it's like, hey, you, you're $200 dollar $200 million quarterback, <laughs> and he's just like, if he doesn't make it, he doesn't make it, but at least you gave him a chance to make a play. And that's why you made the big trade. You made the big investment to go get him, in week one you don't use him. It just feels off to me. But maybe – they're just kind of doing a feeling out process there in Denver and in eight weeks we'll be like, Oh, they got it. They're fine. But in an AFC West division where everybody's kind of catching up and trying to keep up with the uh, the, on track with divisions, it feels like Denver needed to get off on the right foot for that kind of game. So
1: Looking like West Virginia Geno Smith in that game. And I think a lot of, like, we're going to always pin on that last decision whether to go for it or not on fourth and five. But I feel like Denver, they really kind of put themselves in a hole they didn't need to be in, as well as Geno Smith was playing, as well as some of the defense on Seattle was playing. They got to the one-yard line twice. One time they turned over on downs. The other time they fumbled it on the one-yard line. How many delay of games do they have? How many false starts? They're going to look back at this game and in AFC West, where you really need every single win to be competitive mm-hmm. in this division. This is a huge blow. We're going to pin it on this last call, which we can criticize to the day. But we really kind of have to look back at the game and a lot of decisions where Seattle. They're really rough around the edges still, which is to be expected. But this is a win they needed to have.
0: Yeah, it, it was certainly a. Uh an interesting game maybe we'll be looking back in like week 15 and denver's a game behind of making the playoffs and that decision potentially cost them down the road and a crowded crowded afc and so let's move into another game where i think we were kind of expecting one thing and we got a completely different result let's talk about the giants i don't think i oh. really try to follow up with the giants as my like leadoff <laughs> nfl week one teams but man uh What a game that was. I I think you got to just talk about Saquon Barkley looking like the pick that they finally invested in so long ago. It felt like he was making consistent plays. And I was talking to my roommate, who's a Giants fan, watching with me, and I said, you know what? I think this is partially Saquon Barkley, but I think the Giants' investment in their offensive line is finally starting to pay off. They were getting to the second level. Saquon was making those plays. I'm not saying – I'm not making a prediction here, but if Saquon can consistently – at least get around that level and be very explosive. Make plays on in passing, make plays in running. This is a team. Now with the Cowboys out of the picture, could they compete? Let's let's see if they could compete for the division. It could certainly be interesting with Daywall.
1: No, a hundred percent. And I think it's a combination of a few different things because obviously with Saquon, we saw him at Penn State. Arguably one of the best college running backs I've ever seen with my own two eyes. I got to watch him in person. It was incredible. He's a remarkable athlete, but I think he got a really bad case of the injury bug and having a bad offensive line, but bringing in Brian Dable, not only did he kind of emphasize the offensive line, by bringing in Evan Neal and a couple other pieces, but I think the scheme in general, when we were watching Saquon, not only is he fully healthy, but they're doing certain things. They're, um, like in their play design, they're manipulating linebackers to flow one way. So the cutback lanes open up another way and the blocking scheme just looks so much better. And he's able to capitalize on all of his athleticism. So I really think this was a huge game where it kind of like we kind of look at the quarterbacks usually as the main matchup. But at this game, it was kind of like Derrick Henry versus Saquon Barkley. And who got the better of that? The one we weren't expecting. So I really think this was a huge win for the Giants. Definitely one I wasn't expecting. Probably one of the biggest upsets, I would say, out of the entire week in terms of, like, the point spread going into the game. Um, But, yeah, Saquon looked incredible. But I think it had a lot to do with other circumstances, with having a more competent offensive line, but also the schemes in place and him being fully healthy.
0: That's Dayball right there, though. That's when, when he made the hire, everyone was like, Okay, let's see what he can do with this. Cause he's he made Buffalo look like an invincible offense. And it looks like that carryover hasn't been too dramatic with uh with no. the Bills. We Ken Dorsey
1: took right up.
0: Okay, he was like, I got Josh Allen. All right, Josh, go do your thing, man. <laughs> and just let him go to alien. work. <laughs> alien. Yeah, go check out Jay, my boy Jackson's video on Josh Allen. He just posted how he's an alien, but Let's move into another result I didn't see coming. I mean, with the Steelers, their defense is always going to be super, super aggressive, super impactful, but I have my first in my notes. I just have the hell like what the heck happened <laughs> Joe Burrow, the <laughs> offensive line with the Bengals. It looked like the, like we said with the Giants, the investment looked like it was going to pay off and Burrow had no time to throw five total turnovers. It, I was just like, Oh, what is happening? It felt like they were playing for the tie too. A lot of a lot of craziness <laughs> in in week one, especially with the Steelers. So Jackson, what do we make of this? Do we overreact to this or do we kind of just say, hey, Steelers are the Steelers are going to steal her. They're they're going to do what they're going to do. It's just an unfortunate matchup for a Super Bowl hangover that's not going to be super dramatic.
1: Yeah, I think this is absolutely a wake up call for both teams because whether you're a Steelers fan and you're just pumped that you got the win, um Unlike, I think, the, Ra- the Raiders and the Chargers, where I b- think both teams should walk away saying, hey, we have a damn good football team. We're going to continue on and we're going to win a lot of games. I think the Bengals and the Steelers both should be, you know, kind of upset with how things happen because with the Bengals, you cannot have five turnovers and expect to win a game. And that's something they have to fix if they go in anywhere and commit five turnovers they're more than likely not going to win the game. On the other hand, on the Steelers' side of the ball, off of five turnovers, in regulation, only putting up 20 points. The Bengals should have won that game. They were a blocked PAT. Uh, Jamar Chase scored a touchdown. They decided not to review it, hurry up to the line, and run another play. That would have been a huge part of the game. And the Steelers that set up their 53-54-yard game-winning touchdown, it was the running clock, and they snapped the ball with 15 seconds left on the play clock. So all over the place, the Bengals – Even though they committed five turnovers, they should have won that game. The Steelers should feel good because their defense looks so amazing, but they should also be upset that they let it be this close and probably should have lost the game where they were so remarkable uh, creating turnovers.
0: Yeah, and it came at a cost with T.J. Watt going to miss significant time. So somebody's going to have to step up there. They got my guys next week and (laughs) – Oh boy, uh, yeah. what a headache that was for the the freaking pay! I know we're kind of jumping quickly from team to team, but just so we much got a happened. lot of
1: games. It's okay.
0: Yeah, I just have and I talked about how my top note for the Steelers-Bengals was one comment. My top thing for the Dolphins and the Patriots is just oh boy, <laughs> I my takeaway from the game was I was actually genuinely pleased for the most part with how New England's defense played. They gave up the one chunk play to Jalen Waddle, which is just. They got a tackle in that situation, but they were able to kind of keep them in check. And I honestly didn't expect, I expected more chunk plays from Miami. Them kind of, they did what exactly what they probably thought they did is just hand the ball to Saturday to kill and see what happens. But the offense was a mess. There was a lot of things scheme wise that concerned me with letting defenders just run free and just clobbering Mac Jones, which already is showing to have a negative result with him having a back injury. So, Hopefully that's just a thing. New England's always struggled in Miami historically. They've always struggled in September. They always kind of, they're always an October, November team where they just kind of figure it out. But Josh McDaniel's absence certainly was felt yesterday. So if you're if you were in my shoes, how concerned would you be?
1: I think there's some level of concern because the same level of concern I have with the Patriots, I have for my team, the Lions, which you guys will be facing in week five. <laughs> I know you see all the Dolphins merch. I live in South Beach, Miami, so this is why I'm rocking the Dolphins, more so to make fun of Grayson. He's um, doing it to
0: antagonize me.
1: <laughs> but I, I think I think the Patriots and the Lions kind of have the same problem because they have a lot of good things going. You watch any given Patriots drive and it's like, okay, they're moving the ball. Like Mac Jones is kind of picking Apart the defense, the run game looks solid. And the same thing I could say for the Lions. But when it comes down to if there's one sack, one penalty, one first down, that doesn't it like it? Seems like the Patriots had to be perfect. Like they can work their way all the way down the field. They can just get four, five, seven, twelve yards at a time. But if Mac Jones takes a seven-yard sack, or if there's a holding penalty, they don't have the explosiveness yeah. like a lot of other teams do. Like how many times do we see the Raiders? They have third and seventeen, and they look to Devonte Adams. He makes someone look foolish, and they pick up the first down. The Lions and the Patriots don't have that, um, and so I think the Patriots' offense looked a lot better than I thought it was going to. But as soon as one thing went wrong, and that level, that window for air, is a lot less when you have a guy like Tom Brady. When you have a second-year quarterback in Mac Jones, who granted is probably the best second year quarterback. That's a lot to ask to be perfect on any given drive. So I think they looked really good, but as soon as there was a mistake, their, uh, their drive just kind of stalled out.
0: Yeah. And they got to play another defense next week that capitalizes on your, your mistakes and the little details. But I think it, mm-hmm. it, that first drive you, you summated it perfectly. They had, they're moving the ball down the field. There was a couple third down throws from Mac Jones and then they, I, I I in my personal opinion believed it was a little bit of a hold should have probably been called, but they were calling the game pretty close, which I can, I can respect. And if they're going to call it, call it consistent challenges, Xavier Howard, which wouldn't be my first option. No. Um, <laughs> wouldn't be my first move, but it gets picked off. And then it just kind of was like, oh, man, it just kind of took the air. It was like they Mac Jones was holding a pencil and just jammed it into his tires and just, Deflated, no, no pun intended with the Patriots there, but <laughs> see, I'm, I'm coming with the, I, I can, take we can, like, can joke around about it. It's fine. You um, win
1: enough Super Bowls, you can joke about anything. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, another second-year quarterback, and this is one where I was like, how much stock do we really want to take into this one? Because this is a, a, a on paper, is a matchup nightmare for Chicago, where mm. there's just two. It almost was. You beat their headline would be. There's too much for here for this team. This is a team that's rebuilding, rebuilding NFC championship appearance type. It just doesn't really stack up, but then you have your equalizer, which is a monsoon um, for Chicago. And Justin Fields, I want to just point this out, in the second half was five of eight for 108 and two touchdowns. Um, Moved the ball well when he needed to, made plays with his legs. Trey Lance wasn't great, but I I, I can't determine whether it's his play or it's the rain. I just, I don't know yet. So, I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on that game with uh, Justin Fields going
1: 1-0. I mean, there was so much to this game. Like, going into it, we got our first look is did the 49ers make the right choice, trading their immediate future to get a guy like Trey Lance when they could have had Justin Fields. Like, did they make the right choice? I don't know if we've answered that quite yet. We, I mean, it's the first game. But you have the third – like like power rankings, like third most talented team in the league versus 30 through 32, depending on who you ask. And so if you were to tell me there was an absolute monsoon on the field and it was going to be a game of running the ball, no doubt in my mind would I tell you to hammer the 49ers because not only have they won an NFC championship game just by solely running the ball. Mm -hmm. Now they have a running quarterback, but that's absolutely not what happened. They couldn't get anything going. It looked so clunky. Um, At the beginning, I just felt like I was watching a high school game. So neither quarterback looked impressive. And I don't know if any quarterback really would have looked impressive. But I think the shock to me is that the 49ers had the better defense, the better offensive line, the better weapons, the better running backs, like literally across the board. And if you're comparing it, like the Chicago Bears got it done. I thought their only chance of winning was for fields to – want to run around maybe a week one busted coverage and him to bomb it deep but like just with like the monsoon it took that away so it became a running match and the bears won it so it was it that might be the most shocking yeah. game to me
0: it was it was unbelievable man there was so like it, it it's just like we were talking about week one you expect the unexpected with all that i was in shock i honestly couldn't believe it it was It just is what it that's what you'd love about just football, man, is that even if you feel like you have it figured out, you really don't. You really don't. And we can we can claim to be experts in all this, but. I don't know. It's just crazy, man. You sometimes are lost for words. I want to quickly touch on one more game. All right, let's do this. I'm going to touch on the Dak Prescott situation and let's end with the Packers, because I feel like that's worth that's worth that's worth finishing up. Dak Prescott, sure. so they, and then we can talk about Tampa Bay too. With just that game, it was kind of a slugfest. Tampa would drive, Tampa would. They felt like they gained a lot of ground. Dallas would make a stand. Tampa would gain a lot of ground. Dallas would make a stand, and Dallas just could not do anything on offense. It felt like, and Prescott gets hurt, and he's out six to eight weeks. So they're in trouble. Should, should they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? I feel like that's an option for them, but. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are like, ah, I don't know about that. That may be too much money for just eight games potentially. But just give me your thoughts on Tampa Bay, and then tell, let's talk about Prescott, what that means for the NFC East. Do the Eagles pretty much have this in their, in their hands? They just got to go walk it in.
1: Yeah, so uh, your first question, starting with Tampa Bay, I thought they looked – I mean, it's just like another Tom Brady win. Early on, it was kind of, it was kind of a snooze fest of a game, to be honest, just because it's like, okay, here's – Two teams with really elite pass rushers or good defensive lines with really injured offensive lines. So it was like, who could exploit the weakness on the offensive Mm -hmm. line more? And so back and forth, it was just like sack, sack, sack for both teams. Um, But in a game like that, it feels like it's just like Brady's going to win. But as far as the Dallas Cowboys are concerned, like this doesn't feel like a season they can just throw away. They have CeeDee Lamb on his rookie deal still. They have Michael Parsons on his rookie deal still. It's like one of their last years of Zeke. Like, they're going to either have to pay, move on, or re-sign a lot of people here coming up. So this doesn't feel like a year in a winnable division. I mean, maybe not a winnable division because unless something happens to the Eagles because they kind of look like the runaway favorites right now. Right. Um, but yeah, this, this isn't something that I think the Cowboys should take lightly or lightly because who's their back? This is still Cooper rush because Cooper rush. That's, that's not, that's not what you can go into a game with feeling confident because I feel like the second most important position on the field is the backup quarterback. Um, so Jimmy G he's an option out there. Um, I know Tyler Huntley with the Ravens, he kind of has this weird contract thing because I wanted my lines to get him early on. Mm -hmm. But he has something weird. I heard rumors of Cam Newton. But this you can't take eight weeks off. If you take eight weeks with Cooper Rush, you're pretty much throwing the season in the towel. I don't think Jerry Jones wants that. I don't think Mike McCarthy on the hot seat wants that. And I don't think with their given cap situation.
0: McCarthy certainly is like, hey, my job is on the line. I don't want to give this one up. So... I think I think for Dallas you gotta at least look at some options, see what people are offering. I think the 49ers signed Garoppolo for that same specific reason. They're, they they just kind of have that innate like futuristic sense, being like somebody, someone's quarterback is gonna go down and he's gonna be worth some valuable assets for this team. So maybe we'll see. But if that you're
1: season. the if you're the 49ers and you just saw that game against the Bears, are you if you're the 49ers, you thinking, hey maybe we need Jimmy G like <laughs> are you like, are you like, I, I'm serious. Yeah. Like they kept him for a reason. Like if they were hundred percent confident in Trey Lance, like I don't care what you say, what the smart move is. If they saw Trey Lance all throughout training camp and all throughout the off season and they were confident in him, they're not going to keep Jimmy G To kind of split the rock locker room or as soon as Trey Lance has a bad game, everyone's kind of looking at the sideline. Like, Hey, this guy took us to a super bowl. Like, are the 49ers even willing to trade Jimmy G like, and the price goes up. Cause it's like, we need him. You really need him. Now we're looking at like a second, maybe even a first round pick. Like he's not going to go for a mid round pick for a desperate team when they might need him.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a mess for Dallas and it usually always yeah. is, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's wrap up today with um, let's talk about uh, the, the Vikings or I was say Justin Jefferson. That was pretty much the, the yeah. one <laughs> good yeah, summary. I think you've seen the the picture it's the Randy Moss Thanksgiving stat line but it's Justin Jefferson's face plastered onto it just because of how dominant he was I think the bigger story has to be about Aaron Rodgers that has got to be an area of concern not only for him personally I mean he threw an absolute dime to Christian Watson and it just out the hands that I think. There's an issue there and it may, it may be the Vikings may be able to capitalize this and take a division that that's the week one overreaction for sure. When you're watching the Packers on offense, it looked like a complete struggle for them. What did you think?
1: I'm not going to do this again, just for the same reason the Patriots lose week one. Counting out Bill Belichick has just been a proven way to look like an idiot. <laughs> Counting out Rodgers after week one, just like last season when he lost to the Saints 38-3, to looked terrible, went on to win MVP, he's going to be fine. Um, the Vikings was a surprise. Kevin O'Connell, this offense looks significantly better since he got there. I don't think it's any mistake or a coincidence that Justin Jefferson had his best game or their offense really looked like at their best when they were able to stay in 11 personnel, they use Justin Jefferson, just like the Rams use Cooper cup. And he goes off to have a crazy game. That's going to happen. But as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned, some things happened early, obviously the 75 yard drop from uh, Christian Watson, they get down to the one yard line, just like the Broncos just did. Don't convert. Don't get any points out of that. And now it's just a completely different game. You're playing catch up. You're maybe taking some risks. You wouldn't. So I'm not going to bet against Rogers. Um, the, maybe the more surprising thing is how good I thought this Packers defense was that the Vikings made look pretty mediocre. Uh, so I don't know if that has more to say about maybe the Packers defense isn't as good as I thought, or maybe the Vikings offense is a lot better than I thought. But either way, I'm not trying to overreact too much to this game. But the way the Vikings won this game was probably even more surprising than the Giants beating the Vikings to me, just because it was really? so dominant and they just had complete control. And it seems like even, like even going in mid to the fourth quarter, I felt like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is still probably going to find a way to win this game somehow. And it just never came to fruition. So I'm not going to yeah. overreact. Packers are going to be fine. I still think this is their division, but I was pleasantly surprised from what I saw from the Vikings.
0: Yeah, and you want to, you need to see that that offense really take that next step, especially getting. It's the way the league's moving. Offensive head-minded head coaches, just getting hired by the snap of a finger. So, really exciting to see, and really overall just a fantastic week uh, of football. So, Jackson, thank you. Uh, we we've had. I just want to preface this. I'm gonna probably maybe post a little video just beforehand. Just being like, hey, there's gonna be some internet issues here and there that I'm gonna try to edit. But I think the conversation we had was worth it, and it was great. So, Jackson, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Man with a Plan podcast. This was episode 102. Here's to the next 100, guys. We're on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Find us wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Thank you so much, guys, and take care.